Hello and welcome to the scan. We are excited to bring you this episode which is part of the George Institute for Global Health series. Thank you for joining. This is a special episode of the scan on the current covid crisis in India. The conversation raises important points such as the mental health impacts of the crisis and the shadow pandemic of domestic violence. We hope you find this discussion insightful. Please share it with your networks. The news media and social media are all flooded with what's wrong with the country at this time. Repeated images of dead bodies burning in crematoria, people gasping for oxygen in ICUs and on the roads are being shown on television and it's horrific to say the least. All platforms are overflowing with COVID-19 related tragedy. Most people are becoming prone to anxiety and stress. due to overconsumption of this kind of news it indeed is a difficult time it seems the next few months would also be difficult we are verily fighting a war against a virus which is a mutant army across the world it's a time of fear and uncertainty taken us all inside our houses nay within our own selves and we can't run away from this anymore hi i am kanan the communications manager for the George Institute in India. In this podcast, I speak to Amanpreet Kaur, research fellow George Institute India and a licensed and practicing clinical psychologist trained at NIMHANS about the current panic and mental health issues stemming from COVID-19, death anxiety and how people from different strata of society are coping up with the mental health challenges. So Amanpreet, welcome to uh, this uh, special podcast on covid-19 and mental health that we are recording and and thank you for agreeing to actually uh, speak to us uh, it will help us quickly put together something which will be uh, a supplement to the mental health resources that we are generating for uh, people covid positive and who are actually supporting people with covid-19 and who are in lockdown all all the sections of people so i would like to begin with a general question and that is you know constant exposure to news about covid deaths uh, shortage of beds oxygen and also you know this uh, constant things that we are seeing on the tv about uh, graveyards and crematoriums and bodies burning so does it does, i mean what kind of mental health challenges does this this add to thanks kanan i think it's a great initiative uh, to really talk about all the important things uh, from a mental health point of view uh, when we talk about exposure to the constant negative news you know the news media social media everything is flooded with what's going wrong with our country at this time uh, dead bodies uh, crematory you know grounds people gasping for your you know air in icus or they are shown on the roads it's horrific all the platforms have overflow of covid related information so sometimes people don't even know which information to trust or not so most people are becoming prone to anxiety stress you know because of the overconsumption of covid related news and information of course you know it varies from one person to the other uh, but it has been affecting not just the ones who are affected by the virus but also the ones not affected by the virus yet so when we you know talk about this whole thing what could be the issue uh, the current panic which is there amongst the public 
uh, it includes all of us and the mental health issues they they seem to be stemming because of covid 19 which is which could have roots in death related anxiety um, which is actually an anxiety caused by thoughts related to one's own death so this pandemic has made us more than aware of our own mortality that's what you know death to anyone uh, be witness or hear about causes causes uh, fear of death has also been shown you know when you when we see the research articles not to just predict uh, not only anxiety related to covid but also it plays a role in various mental health conditions and there is a proposal of treating it as a trans diagnostic concept as well so uh, fears of death manifest in you know frequent reassurance seeking from doctors checking you know for one's body for symptoms maybe you know my fatigue may mean this my uh, lethargy may mean this and you know repeated requests for medical testing is also seen you know in the som you know, somatic symptom related disorders which we call sometimes you know hypochondriasis we the only species you know the humans that we know of that has the cognitive capacity to contemplate and anticipate our own death uh, so this impressive ability also has its own downside so we are destined to live our lives you know as uh, irwin yalom the person who has written uh, extensively on existential psychotherapy talks about that forever shadowed by the knowledge that we will grow blossom and inevitably diminish and die so there are two kinds of behavior you know in general which arise from this kind of death anxiety um so one is people may develop adaptive ways of coping with their fear of death for example you know they can build meaningful relationships uh, to leave a positive legacy and you know try to make uh, as much as possible of their lives the second uh, kind of behavior is maladaptive you know where the powerful sense of fear or meaninglessness uh, you know it drives different kinds of maladaptive coping behavior for example you know avoidance denial you know self medicating or you know uh, even that section of society where people are just holding on to you know oxygen cylinders even if that's not required so for example spikes in purchases of uh, you know hydroxychloroquine was seen last year now currently if we look at oxygen cylinders purchases or you know uh, the different medications so there's a complete denial that coronavirus is a conspiracy theory also there's this section of society which believes that as well people literally have stocked up on medicines inside their houses which is of course you know it comes under that maladaptive behavior and that definitely contributes further to the shortage in the market and ultimately creates further panic within the community you know so it it all gets uh, covered in the news so this is the death related anxiety which is um, the causal role you know for various mental health conditions right thank you thank you manpreet so that directly leads us to the um, i mean okay there is this mental health challenge that is emanating from constant uh, exposure to news and there is also maladaptive behavior but but the the challenges are real right the mental health challenges of the covid positive patients their families members and each one of them have got different sets of challenges so would you like to talk about that yeah definitely so when we talk about the mental health conditions or the challenges you know whether uh, you're sitting inside the houses thinking about it panicking about it or whether you are suffering from covid so right now you know if we talk about the mental health professionals uh, there's an upsurge in the number of cases the number of referrals we have and they they are you know from different uh, sections for example we have people coming up 
who have recovered from covid or who have seen uh, or witnessed uh, deaths within their family you know and they couldn't really go for so i'll talk about it you know i'll i'll give you examples when we talk about anxiety depression specifically nowadays um, you know because of the recent celebrities and news and otherwise it, it, these are very commonly used words uh, just for anything or everything and even for a small transient shift in mood people just end up using these words you we need to understand that you need to have symptoms for at least 2 weeks to be diagnosed as having anxiety or depression and that also includes significant dysfunction in your social functioning occupational functioning and in your personal front so usually these are triggered under some form of stress given each one of us have different levels of coping resources and skills which has nothing to do with how strong or how weak you are you know which are are you know general beliefs that a person might be weak uh, to have or to have developed certain kind of mental health conditions while you know if you look at the literature and otherwise also that some person at some point in time does have uh, you know a particular mental health condition so for anxiety symptoms are autonomic you know for example a person might experience heart being you know heart pounding heart rate increasing sweating breathlessness uh, numbness in the body parts dizziness tremors in body or hands you know which we call in hindi becheni or ghabrahat and other symptoms include what if you know that worry thinking what if ye ho jayega what if wo ho jayega now anything can happen you know hone ko to but these thoughts are out of one's control and feels real now since we are talking about the danger itself is real it's not something one is imagining so the stress is huge it's tremendous so then panic disorder is a type of anxiety disorder it causes panic attacks which are sudden feelings of terror you know where they may or may not be actual real danger out there for example people who are safe inside their houses or who are following proper you know precautionary measures but still you know it, they are reporting symptoms of panic so one may feel as if you're losing control or the thought i'm going to die that you know if it happens to me when you look at the news all the time so you may also have physical symptoms such as the autonomic symptoms uh, i just mentioned so and while in depression there are three major symptoms we look out for a diagnosis so there needs to be a persistent low mood there needs to be persistent lethargy then anhedonia which we call you know which means no interest at all in pleasurable activities you know with that other symptoms can also accompany for example crying spells ruminations you know or the repeated thoughts about past sleep and appetite disturbances so studies have also reported that you know there is a presence of prolonged grief disorder after one had lost someone close so in china they had done the study last year uh, where you know the problem had actually begun and then they had seen people who had lost somebody recently uh, as well as people who would have lost somebody closer till you know 6 months ago and if we look culturally there are also concepts like you know we we talk about we all are aware of in india that you know people do tervi 13th day the bhog and the feast is conducted after few days of the death rituals are followed for funerals you know from from preparing the dead body to not cooking anything on the day somebody dies people visiting the family at different intervals to express their condolences this give you know this used to give time to family members to be able to grieve naturally and be able to express and mourn the death of their close one but currently in the current scenario that's not even close to possible there have been reports when people couldn't go out and help people who didn't die because of covid uh, no one to you know no one was there to pick up the casket because they were scared of being infected by the virus 
people are losing their family members to COVID. Some get infected themselves and just didn't have the time to breathe or grieve. So there could be, you know, high chances uh, of grief disorder to be seen on a long-term basis in our community. You know, we'll, 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 we're going to see that for sure. So, uh, for example, you know, one woman in her 40s, she's a health worker. She couldn't even go and touch her mother, couldn't hug her and cry, who died because of COVID, suffocated to death, actually, while sleeping. And this lady had recurrent dreams of her mother for three to four months straight, uh, you know, when she had approached me for therapy. And she had sleeplessness and loss of appetite, crying spells and a regret uh, of not being able to touch her for the last time or look at her, you know, before she died. So these are all real challenges around us. And I'm quite sure that, you know, this prolonged grief disorder, which we are talking about, there's going to be a high chance to be seen on a long term in our community. Right. Uh, what about the other sections, Amanpreet? I, I, I remember that, you know, you talked about the domestic uh, violence. You talked about the healthcare workers. You talked about a whole range of sections or coping very differently and have got different kinds of mental health challenges? When we talk about, you know, frontline health workers, for example, you know, that, that's really, really important. The cry for help can be heard, seen and felt within our group of mental health practitioners also. So as we have our professional groups for, you know, uh, referrals of patients in anywhere in the country, never ever we have seen so many healthcare workers coming up for therapy and for grief-related counselling. It's not that that is something new to them. But feeling of helplessness, you know, seeing somebody suffer and die painfully, it, it creates a paradox in one's mind. So I can relate it uh, with, you know, in one of my studies with healthcare professionals uh, during my uh, doctoral work uh, who had provided care to terminally ill cancer patients. So they had described death as something which should be painless with no suffering and, you know, that young people shouldn't die as they haven't seen life yet. Why do God give them so much of suffering and mere the, you know, the fact that it reminds them of their own loved ones dying when they come back home and look at their faces. So these are the general notions about death and, you know, are what we think about death, what we think about suffering um, in general. And we live in this society and this is what we have learned culturally. And recent two, three decades with medical advancement, how often did we see our loved ones dying in front of us at homes? It, you, you know, it started happening in hospitals. Now it's happening in front of us, inside our houses, inside our relative's place or neighbor's place. Or if not inside your house or, you know, within your uh, friend circle, you can see it on the news channels. You know, earlier, uh, you know, that, that ethics used to be maintained by the media houses also, that they never used to show uh, dead bodies, you know, the, the grounds where uh, the funeral is happening. But right now, there's no such thing. And, you know, everybody is allowed to show and talk about anything. So the result is panic, anxiety, complex grief reaction. And then, you know, there's huge stigma related to COVID. People who undergo isolation. So we all have, uh, you know, read or come across uh, articles where people have talked about, you know, how being under, you know, isolation was. And they're treated as if they have done some crime irrespective of their symptoms. So there are reports of neighbors, family, colleagues, relatives or family members discriminating against them. And if by any chance somebody came in contact with them, rather than going into isolation, they start blaming each other. And that's a real thing. People who have gone through COVID have symptoms, you know, they have dealt with it, recovered from it. And there are many who still have bodily issues even after recovering from COVID. And 
the very important thing, you know, since you mentioned about domestic violence, before that, I think it's important to mention there's a bigger section of women who are suffering disproportionately as ours is a patriarchal society and housework is supposed to be handled by women. Kids are also supposed to be the responsibility of the women, the mother in the family. So she's handling the household chores, kids, her, their own online classes, looking after her work while working from home. It has been tremendously difficult. Last year, one report, you know, did mention how women in research were not able to publish as many papers, uh, you know, as compared to their counterparts because of the pandemic. So we can't negate this factor. Uh, I have patients, you know, who are uh, women, you know, uh, homemakers and, uh, you know, struggling with so many issues and then, you know, asking this question that, you know, why, why is every responsibility their responsibility just because they are females and you have no answer to that so and women experiencing domestic violence so domestic violence is not just limited to what people think that physical abuse or just beatings it's also you know choking somebody's neck or holding hands tightly in rage blaming somebody screaming at somebody in aggression threatening someone to kill or hit them you know verbally abusing someone emotional abuse it's a brutal reality and majority of the women around us suffer in silence because, you know, lo kya kahenge, and they feel disempowered because of the societal beliefs and rules, you know, which makes them stay and slog in these toxic relationships. And many currently cannot go anywhere or go out because they just can't go anywhere. And they are, you know, on their own with their kids to look after or they don't have work or no income. So they, they feel bound to be stuck with that person. And I've had my recent few patients and some from the friend circle also calling out for help because they were stuck with an abuser in their family. And this abuser is not necessarily always the husband or the spouse, while it could be anyone from the family. And, you know, uh, this is the shadow pandemic, you know, in one of the articles I was reading, they've called it as domestic violence as a shadow pandemic growing amidst uh, the COVID-19 crisis. The presence of children and adolescents at home due to school closed during quarantine also worsens the exposure of, you know, the young people to domestic violence with having, you know, direct consequences to their mental and physical health. So then there are also people with mental illnesses, with pre-existing mental health conditions who are already in therapy or under medication, stuck with their family members. And we are aware that how most of the hospitals are catering to the needs of, uh, you know, COVID-related, uh, you know, patients only. And uh, so the other people are actually getting sidelined or negated. So moreover, therapy is something which is, you know, which seems out of reach. And lack of awareness, stigma, treatment gap, we you know scarcity of trained mental health professionals, it it all makes it tough too. So if you think you are experiencing any symptoms, you know start off with your uh, physical symptoms. Let's say you know the sleep and appetite, and see it for a you know time of two weeks over two weeks. And if you think you are experiencing any of these symptoms which are different than normal or the usual you. Uh, you know, as I said, sleeping disturbances, appetite disturbances, stress, concentration issues are there while you're working or doing even household chores. You know, ruminations, which we call you know, repeated thoughts about the past or flashbacks, um, anxiety, you know, the autonomic symptoms, the what if thought, what if this happens, what if this happens, the panic resulting out of it, grief. Please do get in touch with a mental health professional. It could be a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, clinical psychologist, psychiatric social worker, or a counselor. Check with people you would know, you know, could be in this profession and uh, in your contacts list or through someone. And 
talking freely about it openly with your family friends it does help sometimes you know it it does wonders just by talking to somebody else providing one with you know emotional or social support but for getting into therapy one need not have a diagnosed mental illness you know that's a misconception that you need to have a diagnosed mental illness it would be surprising for some people to know also uh that for most practicing psychotherapists themselves they, they themselves undergo therapy or you know dream analysis or uh, you know psychodynamic analysis for a better version of themselves and that's okay right uh thank you manmeet that is that is indeed overwhelming but i think you you made a point by stating that it's important to talk about it so i would like to ask you what are the other things that we could do during this time to take care of ourselves some tips if you'd like to offer yeah so when we say tips i you know i can just in summary uh, talk about few things um it may or may not necessarily you know apply to everybody so the first and the foremost thing is do not panic so there, there needs to be an acceptance of the reality that this is it and what could be the solution what can you or your family members do in the situation because no situation remains permanent you know there was a time of 2 3 months when things had started becoming okay also where people actually went you know that yeah everything is fine which is not the case so we we need to follow a reliable source of information keep in touch with each other you know using calls texts or emails also uh, people you know need to have a work life balance because whoever you talk to right now so they'll be like no 24 hours i'm sitting with the laptop and they might not be working 24 hours uh, you know for the work so that needs to be flexible and a daily scheduling does help so if you can make it flexible rather than saying that every time every day you know 5 o'clock i'll do my exercise that that won't be possible in Uh, the scenario because every day things are changing so maybe whenever you get some time off you can just use it for you know let's say exercise use some time for reading a book use some time to engage with somebody else and also you know uh, spirituality and you know even if somebody is who's religious and that's fine so praying engaging in spiritual practices or religious practices if that is giving you or you know anybody any sort of inner peace that's fine uh meditation exercise yoga taking care of your bodies that's very important uh, now is the time to realize you know covid has taken us all inside that you know you need to consider your life with respect your body with respect so physical exercise is very very important where you know in therapy in counseling we we do focus upon that there's something called behavioral activation and um we say that you know the stress hormone uh, and the metabolism levels so physical exercise does help uh, there so even if you could uh, give some time let's say 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 25 minutes for physical exercise that will be great and it is different from the usual daily chores you are engaging into this would be the time you're specifically talking about your body so uh, eating healthy and following all precautionary measures um also you know engaging in pleasurable or meaningful activities when we say pleasurable or meaningful activities for you you know kanan for example it could be reading or uh, engaging in discussion with somebody else or somebody for somebody else it could be dancing or you know you, so maybe half an hour or 40 minutes in the whole day or maybe you know, uh every other alternative day one can engage in such activities of coloring something doing something you know they draw pleasure out of um and it gives a sense of mastery to them so that will be great um also when we are talking about you know sharing openly talking you know about your problems so sharing with your colleagues and managers that you know 
if you're not feeling okay just inform them and you know making realistic goals that this is something i can achieve and this is something i won't be able to and you know conveying the same thing helping others in need as i mentioned earlier any way you can especially the underprivileged section so that that will be the least we can do to somebody else um you could share express right if not then get in touch with the professional as i mentioned that therapy is if it's okay to get into therapy and you need not have a diagnosis uh, you know attached or any label attached to yourself and do get vaccinated that's what everybody you know right now that's the consistent information being said um also when we talk about you know the emotional turmoils and whenever you're facing some kind of stress or panic and you don't know what to do so you can just use deep breathing and let it go so deep pauses in the whole day and be mindful of routine activities let's say when you're eating something when you're walking the thoughts may keep coming and you cannot stop them but what you can do is not engage into those thoughts or trying to stop them rather breathing you know doing the deep breathing and no need to regulate the breathing also because breath is your friend make your breath your friend and go with it that would really be helpful also uh, since we started off talking about you know exposure to news so try to limit consumptions of news or social media feed nowadays you know we have smartphones uh, most of us and that has a digital well-being feature in their settings um and you can simply put away the phone also for some time you know that gives that actually once you activate it it tells you you know how many hours or how many minutes you have spent on each of the apps that could be done don't don't wait for someone to die to convey how much they mean or meant to you so regrets are something which is difficult to handle and graves are already full of you know such unfulfilled words and action so we would need to manage at home supporting and helping each other in whichever way we can being kind to each other remembering that pain is inevitable but suffering is optional and times keep changing so accepting the fate of our lives no one is immortal making the best out of each day and making our lives more meaningful so just be kind grateful and compassionate towards each other and that could really help us live we can't stop the death but preventive measures definitely can be practiced so i would you know end on this note make sure You subscribe to the scans so you don't miss any episode. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.